Morning, birds. Hey. Where's Hannah? Uh, I'm lonely yesterday. I thought I'd update everybody. We had a, we had a software update come, come across here. Uh, this is for iOS 14.6. That's the operating system for a, you know, for an iPhone. See, back in the old days, birds, it was a big deal. You know, he had these, you know, he had an update. It was, wow, you took the whole weekend, <laughs> make some sandwiches, figure you're, you're going to crash stuff. Just, that was a, you know, just a, just a major thing. But now, look at this. So I just did this overnight. iOS 14.6 includes the option to unlock iPhone with Apple Watch while wearing a face mask. It adds support for AirTag. That sounds fun. And introduces separate skin tone variations for emoji with couples. So if you're in an interracial relationship and your your lack of you know emoji compatibility has is is put a put a damper on things. Um, you know, now that I look at this, I think I got to this just in time. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is Sparks, and I would like to welcome you to the Weekend Pirate Radio Special. Oh, the Chicago Radio Pirates Morning Show. It's the Chicago Radio Pirates Program. Special here at Bleat.network. Enjoy. Aaron Mittens, the uh, the news baron, who's such a space, not a space cowboy, you know what I mean? Aaron, I can't get out of these uh, these introductory monologues. Good morning, hello. <laughs> good morning, how are you? I'm good. Um, so we do have some space at the end of this, but um, to start with, um, this is pretty interesting. Explain quickly and give us the scoop on the right to repair law. What exactly is that again? I know for the eighth time, but I've, I've been trying to pay attention. So anyway, wake us up. Yeah, so the right to repair law, 27 states so far have introduced some sort of bill along these lines, but it's generally to get around a few things, to get around planned obsolescence, which is a, prod, a practice where manufacturers design products to be like needlessly phased out. An example of this is the iPhone. They had a software update where um, a couple years after you buy the phone, you download the newest software update and your battery kind of ramps down. So now you have a product that doesn't work the way it should and then you replace it or um, they make it difficult for you to repair certain devices by having the manufacturers that make the products for them so you can't sell that to anybody but me um, so now these are basically laws to change that so this is the first nationally introduced bill by Joseph Morrell of New York um, it's called the Fair Repair Act and is going to fight against these things. Um, and companies like Apple and John Deere have claimed that these practices protect them against IP theft and they it maintains the product integrity. And that's why they have to kind of make their devices function in the way that they do. But the FTC filed a lengthy report last month to Congress claiming that there was, quote, scant evidence to justify the hoops that companies make consumers jump through when it comes to repairs, concluding, quote, although manufacturers have offered numerous explanations for the repair restrictions, a majority are not um, supported for the record or by the record. You have an iPhone, right? Are you used to? I do. Yeah, I have. I've had one since uh, so sophomore year of high school. I had a little candy bar phone. Oh, wow. Because I got the upgrade yesterday, the new iOS, 
And as I, and I told the story in the area in the in the old days, you know, an an up uh, an update was a big deal. You know, you you mm-hmm. theor okay, is it going to crash or not? You anyway, know, so I, I rushed when I saw this alert. I rushed to get the phone up. <laughs> it's the new um, uh, iOS. It includes a a patch or a fix to allow you to um, uh, sync your your. Sync your Apple Watch while wearing a mask. That's a direct quote. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I said yeah. to myself, you know, they are all over us. So I mean, that's my that's my take on this. I think they're just um, they have something that they you know, they don't want to let us uh, you know use. So here here on that. Um, yeah, it's not it's not a two. It's it's kind of back and forth, right? There's two sides to this, obviously, but there are obvious ways in which you want to restrict how users can work on certain parts of a machine let's say but there are other times where if you're trying to replace your screen that cracks that shouldn't take you the price of an entire phone i know so it's a reasonable midway there all right so many injustices so little time but (laughs) so here's the you said it yourself you said uh now is too late and back then was never i know yeah so um you sent me a note where is this that Canon, the Canon makes, or they used to make copiers and cameras and stuff like that. They put in um, some sort of facial recognition design, device where you have to smile to get into the office. Where is that? Yeah, so uh, Canon is a Japanese company, but in China they have a subsidiary, Canon Information Technology. So last year they released a suite of workplace management tools as they called them. Yeah. And it's the reason that this kind of went under the <laughs> the radar for a year is because this is in China where this is kind of commonplace. Yeah. But they have basically have a software where there's a tablet in front of every room yeah. and every um they have these little tablets to book meetings within the room. Yeah. And you have to be smiling to either book a meeting or enter a room. <laughs> what you know. This is- so I guess it's kind of like Make sure you're happy, but not really. Make sure you look happy. That's what the, uh, the Xi Jinping now cracking down on mood enforcement in yes. China. Well, I was thinking about. It. I saw that. Well, you know, um, you've got you have facial recognition on a phone or some device. So yeah. I do, and I and it doesn't get me at all when I'm not smiling. So I'm right. used to smiling. So I guess I would just do that. But I'm wondering, Aaron, don't you think there should be a preference on that? I mean, if we had in the United States, we you would get to say. Put me down for scowling. I show right. up at seven thirty in the morning. I haven't had my coffee. I'm always pissed off. I'm just not going to smile. And then, okay, good, done, right? So, but not the option offered in China. Right. right. See, some people have what they call I can't say it on air, but resting itch face. Yeah. So it's not really like a choice all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, this is funny. And actually, on like the the reason I like Apple is because the other have facial recognition, yeah. but it's, it's stored on the device. It never really leaves your device. It's encrypted, encrypted, and it's stored on your device. Huh. Google phones, whether you're using, you know, OK Google, their option for Siri or Alexa, huh. even Alexa, huh. they send all your voice recordings up to the cloud huh. and the process it there, bring back the answer. Huh. So that's kind of why Apple will some ways always be in behind, but they have your information on the cloud somewhere. <laughs> Elon is listening. <laughs> all right, hang on a second. We'll come back and we're going to blast off. Actually, the Chinese are going to blast off. Damn it, it's not us again. Hang on. In the U.S., more than one-third of all available food goes uneaten through loss or waste. Wasting food is a waste of money. An average family of four loses nearly $1,500 to uneaten food each year. But you can reduce food waste at home with these four easy steps. Plan ahead. 
Before you go to the grocery store or order online, make a list so you don't buy more than you need. Surf smart. Portion control is good for your waistline and good for reducing plate waste. Love your leftovers. Pack leftovers in small portions in shallow containers. Mark the contents and date and refrigerate or freeze immediately. Compost don't trash. Food in landfills produces harmful methane. You can recycle your food scraps in a home compost bin or at a local compost center. With every meal, you can save food, save money, and protect the environment. Learn more at this website. Mm -hmm. All right, it's time to go to space. Aaron Minton's back, our news baron. It's always great to blast off, and I think one of the reasons that we are drawn to um, these space stories are, uh, you know, because things are so cool right now on Earth. Um, China successfully uh, launches uh, three astronauts to new space station is the headline. Really? When did that happen? Yeah, this was yesterday morning. Um, they launched their first crew mission in five years, wow. uh, carrying three astronauts to their newly... Um, well, they're in the construction phase right now with their new space station. Uh -huh. uh, the Shenzhou 12 spacecraft took out took off at around 9.22 local time, heading to the TN module, which is the first module put in orbit and the only so far. As part of an 11-mission um, construction phase, we're going to have at least two more modules being put up and um, assembled, uh, several crewed missions with more people and cargo missions to send up some supplies and whatnot. Um, the final completion should be around 2022 when this will be all completed. And Aaron, I heard I confirm this, that as these astronauts got on the, the spaceship, they had to smile. There was a floating toaster waiting there with the camera built in. <laughs> there were actually originally seven of them, but three were scowling and they were bouncing. Uh, all right, and then... They had well, to lose some weight. <laughs> and then back here in, um, well, I was going to say back here in America to some extent, SpaceX launching mm -hmm. a military satellite. Um, this is the irrepressible Elon Musk again. Now what? Well, on a drone ship. So go ahead. This is cool. Go ahead. Yeah, so SpaceX launched um, one of these. So this is it's cool because there's two stories. One, there's the launch and what they were launching. So they launched, this is their um, 19th launch of the year, but the fourth launch of one of these fifth generation military satellites that they put into orbit. And this is the first time that they reused the Falcon 9 um, rocket for the military. Uh, this is SpaceX, and these satellites were built by Lockheed Martin, which is a um, regular, one of our defense contractors, built a lot of you know munitions and flight craft and all that bs but this is a new part of a 10 satellite constellation to be set, sent up replacing the current eight satellite constellation that does all of our uh, gps it has um, upgraded imaging systems and new co communication systems that are more resistant to interceptions so our agents and soldiers around the world um can have more reliable hack resistant communications and, and this, um, is this, gonna, is, this is gonna this is gonna i'm sorry this is gonna be another geo a geostationary thing that this is gonna be a web of of new satellites to replace the old ones. Okay, good. Exactly, yes. And this is actually funny enough. This is part of the NRO, the National Reconnaissance Office. And their logo, funny enough, is an octopus with its arms kind of wrapped around the globe. Yeah. So they used to have eight satellites. Yeah. And just to show how far their reach is and saying basically um, 
we see everything. <laughs> but uh, this one was nicknamed Neil, Neil Armstrong. Other ones are nicknamed, you know, Sacagawea, Magellan, okay. Amelia right. Earhart, all the cool stuff. Yeah. But yeah, these new satellites are going to be pretty capable. Uh, the last ones were launched about 13 years ago, and they're still state-of-the-art, so you can imagine how far advanced these ones are. Wow, I'm imagining now a genetically modified octopus with a new, <laughs> a new, a new logo. With, uh, I'm not even sure where. I'll... All right, well, um, okay. you think it's operating the satellites up there? <laughs> um, I, you know, I didn't have time. My own uh, news feed this morning from Apple News: four morning habits of the longest living people in the world. And I thought, damn it, I just don't have time to get into this. I don't know. He probably checked out. Well, today is a National Men's Health Day. Is it? It's right on time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'm wearing the blue shirt. <laughs> is that? <laughs> I, I do not get the memo. I have a blue shirt on. Is that is it really? I'm in I'm in the know here. Wow. That one was sarcastic, but yes, it is oh. national. It is National Men's Health Day, though. Yeah. I got a protein bar. <laughs> <laughs> I took a walk yesterday. Our, so I guess okay. I ate some ice cream after. I was going to so, say, you know. I took a walk to the 7-Eleven, and then I walked in. <laughs> exactly. So uh, Father's Day is coming up. You have a father in the world, right? Probably grandfather. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. that. It's Sunday. Any, uh, any, yeah. any, did you make him anything well, in the old days? I didn't. No. I didn't. I should be um, me- meeting up with him on Saturday. Wow. Don't know yet what we're going to do. Hopefully it's not golf. I hope it rains. Yeah. I, I pray it rains. Is he a golfer? He is. Yeah. He's a huge golfer. Is he? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, ooh. Yeah, I just started yeah, playing I mean, again. Do you play yourself? When I have to. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well, if I... <laughs> I have what do you have planned? Um, I uh, I drive the cart from hole to, <laughs> from hole to hole, and whenever yeah, um, and I'll keep score for us. All right, um, yeah, wish him a uh, wish him a happy one, and mm-hmm. and and mothers who made Father's Day possible should also not be excluded from all this. Right. Wow! All right, stand by. We're gonna do a magic trick next. Aaron, you ready? Uh, let's see here. I just told this fella as we were going to get on the air here that I am a failed magician. He is not. Uh, we welcome we welcome Ken Scott. Ken is a four-time winner of the Atlanta Magician of the Year Award. He's performed at the White House five times. Wow. Um, he's been on America's Funny Home Video, and uh, he's just a cool guy, and he's our live guest from Atlanta. Ken, hello. Hey, how are you guys? I'm well. How are you doing? Man, it, thanks for having me on. Oh. I, I didn't realize today was Paul McCartney's birthday. You just gave me some uh, insightful news today. So there you go. I'm a big fan of his, obviously. Yeah. Uh, well, it's hot in Atlanta. It's always hot in Atlanta, but it's hot today. Yeah, it is. But you know what? It, it, it's hotter in the West Coast, apparently, or in Vegas. If you're in Vegas, a magician right now, you are melting, apparently. Yeah. So, Wait, uh, I talked to a buddy of ours <laughs> yesterday in uh, Vegas. It's like 120. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Wow. Not quite the hot here, but man, no. thanks for having me on. This is great. Um, I, uh, I, I wanted to ask about performing at the White House. Um, yeah. that's a, that's, that's a pretty big gig, as they say. How'd that go? That was, that was, uh, it was, it was great. That was, it, they, they have an Easter egg roll every year. They've been having that for what, over, you know, a hundred years, I guess it's been going on. Right, and right. this was during the Bush, uh, administration, uh, W, uh, that we, and it's the, the Easter egg roll is the first ladies event, uh, but. Uh, what they do, they basically open the gates to the South Lawn of the White House at uh, like 8 in the morning, and you can have up to 10,000 people come to those gates. And what they did is that they, they brought many magicians, and we had our own 
stage set right there on the south lawn doing magic shows from like eight to two o'clock in the afternoon wow. all day long and it was just uh it was <laughs> surreal it, I, i'll be honest with you if i can say this without being in trouble i did take a little bit of the grass and i've got it in a nice shadow box i don't know if i should say that yeah okay but uh yeah um, it was fun i mean and just in getting that the white house part you know getting there the night before and setting up uh you know you had dogs sniffing through your you know how to go through your stuff you had these officers with these huge guns it was pretty intense and then once the event is over uh and when they're ready for it to be over you're basically just herded like cattle uh oh. and as these secret service come out and you just know it's time to start moving oh. uh so they it was very neat and i i did it uh, five times and it was uh, a great experience i loved it it was Good. really fun and then you get a, a nice letter from the president after the event's over in the yeah. first place. so yeah oh. You know, this is unique. I'm thinking, um, I mean, generally, um, we've all been, well, I was going to say, I have been, a couple of us have been patted down by the Secret Service. But in your case, it's like, hang on. <laughs> That's secret. Yeah. You can't open that. How did you, uh, yeah, well, you know, how did you navigate that, right? I mean, there was some of that going on, or no? You have to have uh, them look at everything. Case, I mean, it was basically just open open your, you know, the, the suitcase, and there wasn't really anything glaring. Yeah. Uh, but the dogs were just sniffing. I think they were just obviously finding bombs or whatever. But yeah. there was a time at the TSA when I, because I do travel, when I, I do corporate events or if I'm going to a cruise ship, there was one time when I was going through TSA airport and there was something that I did not want them to see. And I knew if they opened it, it was going to be, and this was shortly after uh, 9-11, too, yeah. so everything was really heightened at that moment. Yeah. But I had these spring snakes that were in this huge coffee mug uh, that were compressed in this coffee mug. And I knew if he opened it, it was not going to be a good day for him or for me, for that matter. Uh, and he went and he could tell the coffee cup was not an oil. It was a very heavy coffee cup. And he opened it and these spring snakes went all over him. And uh, his partner or his, his the guy working with him started laughing. And they looked back at me and I said, I kind of I kind of said that they were going to do that. And they just kind of put my stuff down because you can pack it back up. And I was able to go back on, on my way. <laughs> Now listen, you can have Ken can Ken can have a similar experience on his way to performing for you. Um, you go to his website. Let me put that on the air here. It's Ken Scott with two T's. Uh, magic dot com. Ken Scott. Uh, Ken Scott Magic dot com. So yep. and you're still available for stuff, right? I would think now more than yeah, ever. Now that yeah. we're getting unlocked, this, yeah. Yeah, this year, this year, or the, I should say, this past year was uh, a really crazy year for anyone that was in the performing arts. I mean, you just—I uh, was—I I do a lot of school shows as well. So I remember being at a school show on March 11th of last year and coming off the stage and getting email after email saying, "Unfortunately, due to I was getting cancellations. I must uh, have had 60 cancellations in uh, one day." Yeah, so oh, we had to go virtual. So we had—I had to go back. Uh, and build a, like a little studio in my basement and do virtual shows. So yeah, going back live in person, uh, I think we've all uh, learned to take nothing for granted now, especially for live audiences. And I think they are appreciative too because they want to get out and see live entertainment. So yeah, we're we're getting back, and it, it's fun to hear live audiences and not hear uh, no uh, no audio on uh, a Zoom call. It is creepy. I know. <laughs> the worst was sports with no audience. So I can imagine how oh. magic would be. I do comedy, you know, but I don't get a lot of laughs under normal circumstances, so there hasn't been much of a change there. Um, well, I just so, laugh at your jokes. So, <laughs> so uh, um, I, uh, 
I, w I was going to ask you what kind of magic you like to do. You do clo what they call close work? So most of my work I would call family show entertainment. So right. I go out and do family-type shows. Like tonight I'll, I'll go to this resort here in Atlanta, south of Atlanta, called Callaway. And right. I'll go there, and there'll be 200 people there. It might be moms, dads, grandmoms. It'll be age. I call it 2 to 92 show. Okay. Uh, so that's primarily my focus. And then I'll, I'll go on cruise ships and do the same thing with family-type audiences on that. Uh, but then I, I can go in and do trade shows and corporate. But my, my majority of my work is family show entertainment where there's a lot of kids and a lot of families. So take, uh, I, I kind of call it the uh, where I go in and, and let the parents. I, I kind of have lines, as you're a comedian, you, I kind of have lines for the parents to finish on their own yeah. uh, so they can kind of enjoy kind of like okay. the type stuff. I, yeah. I got it. I got it. Um, what uh, Walk me through a show, could you, a little bit? Tell me. Uh, your yeah, Ladies and gentlemen, Ken Scott. And he comes out, and then what yeah. do you do? What do you do? So, obviously, I, I, it's kind of almost like busking. Uh, you know, I can remember talking to Harry Anderson, who you probably remember from Night Court. Sure. He was uh, in Chicago yeah. at one time doing busking and in San Francisco. And, yeah, he was pretty uh, good. And that's kind of what... Pretty good performer. Yeah, he was yeah, yeah. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I remember... I, I just go out and try to... Uh, obviously, the crowd is already there, but I just want to kind of get them and, and keep the expectations low at the moment. Um, so I, I may make a crazy balloons where they don't look like anything. It's almost like Steve Martin kind of like he would make that crazy balloon and say, look, it's a dog. And it was absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, so I just kind of get their attention at first. And then there's music playing at the beginning. Uh, they're going to get their attention. And then I may just do a quick 20 second cool rope trick that really gets their attention, especially if I'm doing family shows. A lot of times parents think the show is just for kids. Yeah. Uh, and so I want to kind of, uh, get rid of that myth from the start. So if I can do a really kick-butt trick, huh. then th the parents will put their phones down. I think I've got them. <laughs> also, if the lingo, if the lines are good and, and I've got their attention just from some of the jokes I'm using, then that, that's even better. So the, the show uh, goes around 40 to 45 minutes. Wow. Uh, it used some participation. Uh, most magicians, uh, I still use a little bunny rabbit in my show, but I typically produce the bunny uh, instead of at the end of the show as a yeah. grand finale, I like to do it at the beginning of the show. It's kind of the opposite of what people are trained to see a magician do. That's, and so my bunny comes in at the very beginning, and no one expects it. So that's that, what's kind of neat about it. This is an old bunny. Or do you use different bunnies from, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, you know, this is my third bunny. Okay. It, it, my, my daughter's always teased me, but my bunnies are always snowball. Wow. So uh, in 23 years, I've had three, and they just happen to be all snowball. So I think some of the kids are getting old to the fact that Hey, is this really snowball that we saw last year? <laughs> so, forty-five minutes—that's a pretty long time to be on stage with moving parts and things. When, when, um, how, how often do you have stuff f up? Uh, is it all smooth as glass, uh, or is, do you do you have do you still have mistakes? Go ahead. Well, I think you you obviously talking about doing comedy. I think with my act uh, and my style of performing. I, I, if I mess up, it's kind of part of the game. Yeah. If I'm a serious performer out there, then uh oh, he messed up. Yeah. Uh, so if, if I take if I if I take my if I don't take myself serious, then uh, you know it, it works. But you know I, you've got some fail safes and you got some lines you can go to. Sometimes when things do fail, they don't know it failed. Yeah. Uh, but you just kind of you know I, I like to call it when you're performing for family shows, you're zigging and zagging. People yeah. often talk about scripts, yeah. and I have a script that I work off of. But when you're performing live you got to kind of zig and zag. you got to be able to switch those gears on a dime. And yeah. there may be a, a, a kid in the audience that destroys your line, as you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you got to go with it. So, uh, yeah, uh, 
they mess up sometimes, and sometimes you just laugh it off and go with it. But luckily, I, with my character, I can kind of get away with it. You get these little snot rockets. Does anybody come up and say, hey, I can do that trick better? So, so yeah, I'm Ken. I, I mean, you well, do, I'm, right? I, I know you must, right? If you hold up just a deck of cards, kids go, I know this one. <laughs> now, some, and again, that's just holding a deck of cards. And so yeah. my go-to line for that, especially if the kid's like 9 or 10, yeah. I'll go, good, show us. And yeah. I'll hand him the deck of cards. And it kind of pipes him down because, oh, no, 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 I, I don't really know how to do it. Oh, man. And so uh, you've you got to have a few of those lines that are in your your file cabinet, I call it, to kind of just, you know. And a lot of times when they say they know this trick, yeah. kids are not really saying they're trying to blow the trick. They're just yeah. going, I've seen this. I like yeah. this. So I've picked, it's kind of giving you some positive it, reinforcement. In comedy, we call this shutting down hecklers, but they're not usually six, Ken. So... <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I have done my share of comedy clubs, and those can be uh, those can be tough sometimes. But I think um, I'm I'm not a dirty performer, so I'm yeah. not using uh, you know some of the f bombs. So I think it kind of yeah. it gives the groundwork. And, and sometimes when I've done comedy clubs, some comedians think, oh, he's got he's the prop guy. Yeah. Yeah. So there are those comedians who who look down upon us magicians who yeah. have our trunk of magic, though. No, I've worked with some yeah. some really good, um, you know, really good comic uh, magicians in a in a comedy stage. Um, tell you what, listen, can you hang on a second? They tell me that you might be able to do a card trick for me. Um, yeah, we can try it. Sure. All right, stand by. This is Ken Scott. Um, I want you to um, grab grab the moment and book him before he uh, goes and uh, does something else for a living. Um, it's <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, you know what? I I used to work in radio. I went to school for for broadcasting. And when I was twenty twenty one, I worked in radio uh, in Atlanta. I went to a beautiful top forty station. Was twenty years old and loved the job. It made about ten grand a year. Wow! Yeah. And then got laid off. Yeah. I got laid off. Uh, nine of us got laid off. And the guy who came in and took my job was none other than Ryan Seacrest as an intern. <laughs> so uh, look where he's at now. Oh man! Wow, we have a separate we have a separate closed circuit show now, Ken. That you <laughs> that you and I can do. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> All right, we'll be back with Ken Scott, but not Ryan Seacrest right after this, if we could. Disaster tips from the objects left behind. Wasn't insured, but you can check your insurance policy now to make sure you're covered. My savings are lost, but you can put money aside and plan for unexpected disaster costs. We're lost forever, but you can scan important documents now so they survive. For more tips on how to prepare, visit ready.gov. It's uh, 17 before the hour. Uh, it's the Chicago Radio Pirates show, our uh, morning thing. A, uh, a Friday, and we try to do special stuff on Friday. Well, I think we hit the jackpot today. We have a four-time winner of the Atlanta Magician of the Year Award. He's been at the White House, performed five times there. And uh, he has... Uh, he, he tells me that he can do a magic trick on the radio here. I got a deck of cards, Ken. You want to try something here? Yeah, you want to try it? Yeah, I got I These are jumbo index playing cards. Uh, I don't okay. want I don't want to reveal my true age or vision, but I'm I can see, <laughs> I know half of them appear to be red. That's all I can. All right, so what do okay. we so what do we do? Well, all you need, all you need is nine cards. So take off nine take out nine cards. Doesn't matter which nine. You Any nine? Take off the top okay. nine. All right, all right. Here Any we go. nine. Okay. Doesn't okay. matter which nine. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 
If you'd have said 51, we would have been good. I have some time to kill here, but I have nine here. Okay, here we go. Okay, good, good, All right. good. All right, now. You're going to take the nine cards and put uh, put them in, in uh, three piles of three in front of you. So yeah. you got one on the left, one in the middle, one on the right. Okay. So three piles of three. All right, I got I got that. All right. Um, okay. Now what I want you to do is pick up one of those piles in front of you, pick one of them up, and look at the bottom card of that pile that you're looking at. Do I tell you uh, what pile it is? No, don't. Yeah, don't. T- no, don't tell me anything. Just look at that. Look All at right. the, uh, right, the card so from the bottom, and then pick up the cards uh, that one you got a card on the bottom. You looking at it? Yeah. All right. Okay, I got it. All right. Now put put those cards in your uh, your hand that you deal cards in. You kind of put them in a dealing position. Yeah. And now you got two two piles on the table. Just put one pile on top of the other on the table there. Okay. And now you got and then the pile that's in your hand that has your card. Right. Take that pile and put it on top of those that pile. So now you, right. show you have one big pile of cards. Okay. Good. Okay. I got it. All right. Now put pick up pick up the cards and put them back in your hand in dealing position. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now you're going to spell your card. So if you if you chose a two, you're going to do one card one uh, card for each letter. So if it was a two, you'd go uh, from the top T W O. So you have three cards down the table. Uh-huh. So uh, if it was a five, you go F I D E. One card for each letter. So go ahead and do that now. All right. So I'm spelling out the card, right? Yeah, just the card. So if it's a two, if it's a three, not so. But the number of snaps is going to tell you something here, right? Okay. Yep. All right. Well, Okay, so if it were, then whatever you've done that, now the remaining cards in your hand, put them on top of the cards on the table. Okay. All right, and then pick up the cards again. Yep. And now, obviously, the card has an of in it, so spell O-F with the card. So O and another card for O. Just just dealing it again? Okay. Yep, dealing again on the table. Okay. All right, and then put the remaining cards in your hand on top of those two cards. Top of the, okay. And pick them back up. Yep. Right. And now you're going to spell the suit. Oh, uh, so if it was a club <laughs> or heart, so do the same thing. Yeah, here we go. You didn't tell me there was going to be spelling here. I know, I know. Okay, all right, I did it, I think. And then put and put the remaining cards on top of there, and then lastly pick up the cards again. And now we got to have magic. Right. So this time, spell magic. One card for each letter, so spell M-A-G- I in the letter C. Look at that card and see if it's yours. <laughs> it is. Jeez. Yes. Oh my God, it worked. <laughs> Ken Scott. It's the best. It's the best radio trick I know. Wow. Come on again soon. Ken Scott. His it, his website is ken kenscottmagic.com. Um, call him up. You are the best. We like it when our audience is part of the show. Please. Feel free to send us an email at radioanything at gmail.com or you can just send us a toll free voicemail 24 7 at 844 220 3300. Please share a thought with us and we will listen to you here on the radio. And don't forget to join us Monday through Friday at split.network. Thank you. We were going to talk to uh, Steve Abrams, a puppeteer. But Steve is otherwise occupied, but we have his, uh, his puppet friends there somewhere. I think this is, uh, did I get this wrong? Um, it rhymes with goop. Say it again for me, Mr. Go ahead. Oh, uh, yes, hi. Uh, this is Albert Gazoop. That's G-A-Z-O-O-P. All right. Um, Albert, how are you today? 
I'm good. I, I'm Steve's administrative assistant. Uh, he should be back soon. Okay. Um, you're um, you are often mistaken for a frog, but you don't like that. I'm told. No, no, I'm definitely a gazoop. Yeah. Um, how um, how how long have you known Steve? Forever? Yeah, a very long time. Yeah, yeah. I started in the show. Uh, my job was to sing, but some people don't like my singing voice, no. so I was made administrative assistant. Okay. Um, how's that going? Oh, it's great. Well, you know, it's been kind of quiet the last year. You know, there's no. no you know, all the gigs disappeared with yeah. COVID and everything, you know. Are uh, are, are we going to see some puppets pretty soon now? Again, puppet conventions, things like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, just a minute. Steve's just coming in. Okay. Let me let me put him on for you. Right. Hello? Hello. How you doing? I'm good. It's Gary Lee Wright here. Is this Steve Abrams, the puppeteer? Yeah, 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 it is. It's good to talk to you. Uh, nice. Albert just turned the thing over to me. Uh, so you were, I heard you were asking about how, uh, whether puppets are coming back. Yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, I'm just finishing up another issue of Puppetry Journal. It comes out uh, four times a year. Yeah. And uh, one of my articles is called Masks Off. Uh, almost hardly anybody's been working in front of a live audience for 14 months now. There's been a lot of streaming online, but people are actually getting in front of audiences now. Does that make, do people get out of practice, you puppeteers? Um, I don't know about that. I mean, we're kind of used to, you know, rehearsing and being ready, you yeah, know, when yeah. we have to go, have to go on. So uh, it's it's not like something you have to do every day to stay in practice. Do you, because uh, you're a person that, uh, you, you have a number of uh, puppets. Um, do you have like a multiple personality thing that you, 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 deal, you deal with? Well, somebody said that puppetry is a, a socially acceptable form of schizophrenia because yeah. we have all these characters. But you know, everybody's got a lot of characters in them, really. So, You know, um, Steve, uh, this is Steve Abrams, who is the uh, editor of, what is the Puppetry uh, Journal? That's right, yeah. All right. Um, and Steve, I don't think I have your website. We're going to, I'll put that on the air here. Um, I, oh, gonna... okay. Well, so we don't have a specific one for the journal. It's right. Puppeteers of America, which is uh, puppeteers.org. Okay. Let me write that down here. Uh, I have puppeteers, all right, puppeteers.org. Is that right? Yep. All right. Okay. Geez, thank you for making it easy there. That's good. That's good. So, listen, um, I was, uh, I did something yesterday. I was out uh, trying to get out a little bit myself. Um, here in Chicago, actually in, in Evanston, there's a, a place called uh, Maine News. I don't know if you know where that is. But anyway, it's like an old, it's like an old throwback. It's a magazine shop, and they have newspapers and books. And one of the things that they had was a book called Chicago Television. And I just picked it up, and I flipped through it. And, Steve, everybody, everybody was on TV early on in Chicago. They're puppets. Um, all the stuff that we uh, that I grew up with, I was just uh, I was looking at that. Um, what about that? Were you were well? You... Well, what, I mean, uh, so you know, there were local puppets that people in different cities didn't know, which is kind of interesting. Like in Philly, there was Willie the Worm. In Chicago, there was Garfield Goose. But I never saw him. But I did see Bert Tilstrom because he was national Kukul Fran and Ollie, and he was one of my heroes. I loved his work at Bert Tilstrom, and he was definitely a Chicago boy. They they uh, they keep telling this book about the Chicago. 
they call the Chicago School of Television, which is yeah, just a phrase, but the, so many, uh, yeah, go ahead, talk about that. Uh, yeah, yes, like, so, yeah, Studs Terkel was part of that, right? uh, but, but Bert Hilstrom was definitely part of that. And those shows did come from Chicago, not from New York, so. And uh, there's a certain, sus- what they call suspension of disbelief, you know, and you're, but, uh, and uh, these puppet things, and largely, um, you know, geared for kids, but. Um, Kukla, Fran, and Ollie had enormous TV ratings. It was early in the medium, but um, people of all ages watched that. It was not a kid's show like Howdy Doody. It came on at dinner time, and we understand that people change their dinner time to be able to listen. And it had a lot of celebrities listen to it. They just really liked what Burr was doing. And uh, I think part of it, too, was, you know, so Fran Allison, who worked with them, the Fran part of Kukla, Fran, and Ollie, she huh? stood out front and talked to the puppets. So she was sort of like an intermediary, and I think her believing in the puppets helped everybody else believe in the puppets. And what's really amazing is Burr and uh, Fran improvised most of that. It went out to millions of people on national television, and they didn't really have a script. They had an outline as to what they were going to do. They had maybe rehearsed a song or two, uh, but they were just kind of winging it. Yes, I, I read that. I, I, I mean, we. It isn't like we have a lot of rehearsal or prep for this radio program. But I'm trying. I'm trying to imagine doing this live, you know, thing on TV with and just really ad libbing, um, which they did for a long, long time. That's mm-hmm. not, yeah, they were on for about ten years. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't see that today. I don't think so. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Uh-uh. What's um what um when you, when you were uh, maintaining puppets. Um, they need some care and feeding, right? You have to keep them looking good. They do, you know, and I just got to, I get all these interesting articles for Puppetry Journal, and there was a TV puppeteer uh, who did a show early in the 50s called Rudy Kazuti, and then he was in the New York area, and he made a lot of celebrity puppets of the people of the day, the politicians and the entertainers, like in the day it would, would have been Barbara Streisand and Cher and so on. He did these celebrity puppets. So his uh, daughter, who is now elderly, inherited the puppets, and she looked at them and says, a lot of these need restoration, especially the costumes. The costumes uh. tend to deteriorate over time. So they've all been fixed up, and they're going to be auctioned off soon. These names are so... Rudy Kazuti was his name, right? Well, that was the puppet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think that's part of the uh, charm of uh, puppets or, uh, you know, puppetry, is these, is these cool names. Um, what's... Uh, can you think puppets can change people's uh, moods, cheer them up, make them laugh? Well, one of my most, I don't, it didn't do it very often, but one of my most satisfying things as a puppeteer was quite a few times I went to Children's Hospital in Philadelphia, and there were kids who were really hurting, and then they would see the puppet, and they would smile, huh. and they would forget about what was bothering them, at least for a few minutes anyway. That's um um that's that's a great kind of work that you do there, Steve. Uh, you know the past is prologue. It is a uh, quarter before the hour, and live I think from Las Vegas. It's uh, Chicago Al Katz. Al, you you're in Vegas. Uh, I'm in Vegas, eight days till L.A. Which is um extremely hot. I know. It is. It is. It's um, it, it's like 115, 116 degrees. And all they're saying here is, oh, my goodness, we're having August weather. They're not <laughs> even upset. 
Um, so I called you up the um, um, the uh, big story in sports this week, which kind of blew me away, is about the substances on baseballs. I'll do. Um, we used to call this a spitball, but it's not actually spit. Yeah, I didn't know if this was uh, going on. The uh, the new substances. I just looked this up. One is called um, uh, monkey hands, and and another. These are these are these are these are manufactured to doctor baseballs by and large, right? These things. Well, they they have. There was one guy who was like a chemist that would come in and mix the product with something else, yeah. so that it could be hidden so, from the umpire. And um, the uh, and I guess the homemade one homemade remedy is to boil down Coca Cola, which supposedly. Um, so anyway, for people that have no idea what we're talking about, um, the idea of releasing a baseball in a way that it just is it's hard to hit. You you get a you get a, a little bit of an advantage if you can control what they call the spin rate, and you do that by putting something on on the ball. And anyway, this isn't that this isn't that new, except that they're now testing uh, balls, and they find the majority of the mail. You knew this have stuff on them, so it's like they woke up and suddenly are enforcing this rule. Um, but the problem is, is that um, baseball wants they want hits. They they don't they don't want pitching duels, right? Well, that, that's right. They want home runs, really. Do you um do you uh, do you get the sense that everybody knew this was going on, and and just like, I, you know uh, I, I I I'm sorry to say Gary, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, baseball has been cheating in baseball forever. Yeah. Um, I think we both went to the same university uh, for baseball, yeah. the University of Jack Brickhouse. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And um, Jack Brickhouse used to tell stories about Whitey Ford and Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra would sharpen the uh, buckle on his uh, shin guard. Yeah. And he would take the ball and he would, before throwing it back to Whitey Ford, they didn't throw balls after every pitch back yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. He would rub it against the, um, uh, the sharpened buckle and tear the hide of the ball so that Whitey could get a better grip on it and add spin to it. So, and and presumably everybody knew this was going on, right? Well, if Jack Brickhouse knew it, yes. There's a story. uh, Go ahead. Well, and um, there's guys in the Hall of Fame because of their spitball. I'm not going to say Gaylord Perry's name, but... uh, Well, it's there used to be so much of this. I read a story one. This is probably an apocryphal story. Anyway, one of the other things that you use to um, modify a baseball is a is a is like a piece of sandpaper. So oh, um, sure. I read somewhere they, they was, cut holes in gloves. There was an up who knew the knew that the pitcher was doing something wrong. And he went out. And he started to sort of strip search him on the mound, right. and uh, and he gets down. And he says, well, empty your, and he gets down to emptying the pockets, and there's a note in there that says, no, but you're getting close. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. So, but yeah. You know, they would cut a small hole in the glove and stick a piece of sandpaper underneath it, and guys would carry emery boards in their pockets, and they would claim it was to get the hangnails and stuff yeah. on their fingers. 
You know what's weird though is now since they've been enforcing this rule this week, I guess was it Monday they made an official? I, I don't I don't I don't know how you do that because um, I mean the 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 sub altering the baseball has been it's been illegal forever, but as of Monday they started to look at it again. But anyway, now that they're all there are all these injuries. Have you seen this? People threw out there. They and they said I was trying to compensate. I can't put a substance on the ball anymore, so I'm trying to compensate. So um, what about that? I, I I can't speak on that. I, uh, um, I that seems silly. Um, but uh, uh, my White Sox tied for the best record in all of baseball. I saw that. Uh, I have four guys playing uh, out for a potential All Stars out at the same time, and uh, they still beat the uh, Rays yesterday. So I was very very pleased at that. Do you think? Uh... But that. If the game hasn't changed. I, you know what I, I point to is Houston cheating um, by stealing signs. Yeah. And and that was such a, an embarrassment to baseball that they're trying to do something now about uh, reducing the, um, uh, the, the advantage that pitchers have. In the minor leagues, they've moved the uh, mound back. I saw, I saw that, but I mean the idea that they went through, Al, you remember in the 60s, they they raised the mound. Um, no, they lowered the mound. I'm sorry, lowered the mound. And Bob Gibson had a 1.23. Yeah, yeah. But the, the thing is, nobody could nobody could hit the pitching. As you said, they didn't, and the home runs went away. So, um, I well, don't you know. know. Go ahead. I, I was watching the Cub game yesterday, and uh, DeGrom was pitching, and I was getting the New York feed. And you know, I was listening on the radio your way. And um, I had the New York feed, and um, uh, they're talking about Jake, Jake DeGrom has six RBIs so far this season and only given up four earned runs. Wow. In the history of baseball, no pitcher has had more earned runs than uh, more RBIs than earned runs. Are his fingers sticky? Do we know? We don't know, but his arm is sore. He he only pitched three innings and struck out eight of the nine outs of the Cubs. All this stuff, though, I, I mean, maybe we're anesthetized a little bit because we have Trump, the cheater-in-chief, but I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not a big, like, football nut, but um, wasn't Brady pretty much caught with inflating or deflating footballs through a number yeah, of Super Bowls? Yeah, but pe- yeah, people yeah. cared, but then they didn't care anymore or something. Uh, deflate gate. Yeah, deflate gate, that's it. Good old Nixon, he comes in everywhere. <laughs> I was trying to think sports that you can't cheat at. I don't think can you cheat at soccer? I don't know if I don't know about soccer to to even make that call. Yeah, I mean I'm sure you can cheat at anything, yeah. Gary. Yeah. Uh, you know, well you can steroids is uh, yeah. is something you could do in any sport to give yourself a competitive edge. Yeah. I guess it helps if you're keeping score for yourself if you happen to play golf. <laughs> you know, I just <laughs> took up golf and I gotta tell you, the windmill hole was really tough. <laughs> I'm gonna. Uh, I really. I keep. Uh, I, I. We have some clubs, and I. And I. I've been out a little bit, but I got to get back to it. Um, I say uh, you're. You're a golf type. I can see you doing that. I see, no, I'm not. No, I keep no. Off the ball. No, I see you like. Um, you know. Um, uh, Caddyshack. You as Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> I. I heard the, a great 
story that I can't tell. Rodney <laughs> Dangerfield. Oh, my gosh. I think I know that story. <laughs> no, no, you don't. I just learned it. It's hilarious. But go ahead. It's, uh, it's five before the hour. This is Al Katz, Chicago Al Katz, who's in Vegas. And uh, we thought we'd uh, talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the sports cheating thing. Um, the thing is, you know, I go back. Um, I remember, um, you know, uh, is is it your team that threw the World Series in 1919? Which one? Yeah, yeah. The Cubs did it previous to that. And, uh, when the, 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 you, the Cubs, what World Series did they throw? Intentionally? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think the Cubs have ever done anything no, intentionally. No. But, uh, yeah, intentionally. Yeah, but listen, the, but, uh, Comiskey was a, a chief SOB. That that didn't uh, uh, stand up with his uh, obligations to his team and stuff, right. and uh, he just opened the door for Arnold Rothstein to uh, to come in. But Rothstein had been fixing games forever yeah. anyway, so was it the first time? I don't know. I like the concept. How about this? Trump now has nothing to do. Make him commissioner of baseball. How about this? I got a distraction for you. All right, we're talking to Andy Griffiths on the air, our uh, UK police detective the other day. And uh, as you know, we've had uh, uh, Biden and many of our uh, leaders over there in Europe here. Um, I have a note here on 10 rules royal children have to follow, follow. You get up early when they do this thing? You want, do you watch that stuff? Uh, all the uh, royal ceremonies? Okay, well, not so fast. Um, it's, it's, not all, it's not all tea and crumpets. In fact, only boys can wear shorts. In England, shorts represent a high station in society which is why Prince George has almost exclusively been photographed in knee-length bottoms. According to tradition, royal boys, royal, royal boys, try to say that, royal boys can wear a pair of trousers once they've turned eight. Okay, that's something to look forward to. And there's puberty after that. Um, they're required to undergo etiquette training. Ooh. Royal kids have to undergo all kinds of stuff covering everything from how to wave to the public and graciously accept gifts to how to walk, sit, and eat in a royal pleasing manner. They can't wear black during the day. I don't know about that. Girls have to wear dresses. Okay, you can't. I, women's fan. We had a thing on women's fashion history. Can't. Why can't women simply... Why can't women just wear whatever the hell they want to wear? Oh no. No, there'll be no there'll be no slacks. There'll be no whatever the other things are. Capri pants. Girls have to wear dresses. Alright, now the heirs have to travel separately. This is a little bit like the United States where I think as you know, when we have like a uh, um a uh, this the, the, the large um, this is a large speeches where um, everyone attends. The State of the Union, for example. Um, there's one person who does not go. One of the cabinet officers is, is kept separate in case, God forbid, somebody should wipe out 
the entire group there. At least there's somebody left to run the country. Anyway, they have the same idea over there. Uh, the rare, the heirs have to travel separately. They're not allowed to travel in the same car or plane. Um, all right, this now this would go nowhere in the United States, at least into the in, under the Trump administration. They have a rule against gifts from the public. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you so much. No, you can't send. You can't pay. See, you can't. Unlike, unlike some of uh, some of our leaders, you can't buy off the royal family, at least not publicly. Right, how about this? Babies cannot eat baby food. Hmm? Royal babies are not allowed to eat canned foods. Oh no! Which includes which includes store-bought baby food. Instead, they're personal chefs. Lord. Who said the rich are different from you and me? They're, the baby's personal chef uh, makes something like a twice-pureed fruit for the baby to eat. They are issued passports at birth, these royal babies. They're expected to travel with parents on international royal tours or in case of a sudden emergency. All right. Male members must serve in the military. And um, with some distinction, I think, they've done that. You've, you've seen that, so let's see here. Uh, is that it? Sorry. Almost segued into the, the thing from last week, 10, 10 French sayings. No, I don't think so. So, all right, those are, uh, those are rules the royal children have to follow. There. I don't know. Uh, would you like that lifestyle? Come on, we, we have a few seconds. Let's, let's ponder. Imagine you're a royal. Would you really to have, you know, yes, you get your personal chef, but um, I can't think that those people are very happy. Look at Megan and Harry. They, they, can't seem to, they can't seem to figure out what treatment they want. We want to be royals or not? I don't know. I'm not, no, no, I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying this can't be an easy life over there for them. So anyway. Hey, hang on, stand by. Don't go anywhere. It's uh, tw it's tw <laughs> it's twelve. It's twelve before the hour. Um, oh, you know what today is? Hang on a second. This is the anniversary of this really famous speech when um, wow, Winston Churchill um, announced that they were going to take on Hitler. Here it is, and then we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, stand by, please. The broad, sunlit upland. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age, made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duty. And so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say, this 
with their finest hour. I get chills. I do. Smiley's on the phone here. Smiley, I think that's written somewhere in your body. Is that right? <laughs> Good morning, yes. It is. No, honest to God, you have that uh, inked. Um, I do. Famous, yeah, famous speech, and what a, wow. I always get a kick out of uh, playing that. Anyway, good morning. We thought we'd simulate a Father's Day thing today. And uh, you want to, which one do you want to be? You want to be the father or the other one? <laughs> Whatever you're giving out. <laughs> so listen, um, I, I saw in the, uh, in the news here um, that the official uh, Obama portraits have been completed. Um, they yes. were Yeah, they were in Washington. They're, they're cool. I have them right here. And then I'm Chicago sometimes. Um, Michelle, uh, by uh, Kahinde Wiley, uh, I'm sorry, by uh, yeah. yeah, by Amy Sherald, and then uh, Kahinde Wiley on Barack Obama. They're pretty neat. These um, these are going to be in the Art Institute through the 15th. You used to work over there, as I remember. Oh, gosh, yeah. Can you get us in? <laughs> I'm going to be paying admission, and I'm going to go twice. Yeah. <laughs> these are neat, though. Um I got to say, they, uh, you know, in the category boring portraits, you think of like presidential portraits, they all look like they just ate something bad, you know, but these are, <laughs> these are, these are cool. Barack is in, uh, looks like a, like it's, they're a, stunning. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and Michelle, God, she never took a bad picture. So anyway. Those four arms, am I right? Um, and between the two of them? No. <laughs> I'm saying Michelle, but. <laughs> I think something like that. So anyway, all right. So that's um, that's a thing that we could do. That would could be kind of a Father's Day thing. We that's were gonna yeah. we, we were gonna we were gonna go to the baseball game. That finally sold out, by the way. Smiling, I couldn't get tickets. Well, pull some strings. I have no. Don't you I have, know a guy? I have no. I have no pull apparently anymore. So um, uh, Father's Day. I was recalling you and uh, your sister used to make some fabulous. Things. I was trying to remember exactly what they were, but they involved macaroni. Whatever we could find uh, to glue to a paper. And and they and 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 I kept you know over the years the macaroni kind of falls off, but we have all that stuff somewhere. What do you remember? But the attention. The attention remains. Yeah, and I have cups, and you did pottery and stuff. Um, yeah, until you used to knock them off the shelf on accident. Maybe in smithereens, might be in tears. Listen, like, I. No, we can glue it. It's fine. I, <laughs> Listen, I want, I glued, you know, I have glued so many things back together for you and your sister. I think I, that's the root of all of my daddy issues, is, is destroying my art. Yeah. Well, but I mean, you know, and it turned out that you actually were a real artist. I, we have a picture of what I call the, the Toulouse-Lautrec painting on the wall of the studio here. <laughs> so, I yeah. think, to be fair, I did make a lot of it. It was, you know, well, it was good. I had my own little factory going. Yeah. No, so... um Anyway, I mean, so you probably won't make anything for me this year. But uh, Well, if I was going to, I wouldn't tell you now. Yeah. You know, um, I was trying to remember, I don't remember which, I guess all kids do this. It, it's, this it's the easy one where you make a tie out of uh, construction paper. <laughs> yeah. Remember that? So, oh, gosh. I never, I, I didn't wear ties that much, but I appreciated the idea. Um, on behalf of uh, Smiley. And Aaron Mittens and Natasha Rodriguez and Gary Lee Wright in Chicago. Have a happy Father's Day. You are listening to the Bleat Network. This is Bleat.
We like it when our audience is part of the show. Please, feel free to send us an email at radioanything at gmail.com or you can just send us a toll-free voicemail 24-7 at 844-220-3300. Please share a thought with us and we will listen to you here on the radio. And don't forget to join us Monday through Friday at split.network. Thank you.